Chapter Four of *The Cinder Pond* by Carol Watson Rankin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four: What Was in an Old Trunk? "Where you been?" demanded Mrs. Shannon crossly from the doorway of the shack. "Hurry up and put Sammy and Annie to bed, and don't wake Patsy. Your pa wants you to say your lessons, Jean. I gotta go up town after yeast. Come along, Molly. We can go now." Here's Barney with the boat. Her family tucked into bed. Jean slipped into her father's room. Here I am, said she. I'm not a bit sleepy, so you can teach me a lot. Jean seated herself on her father's little old leather trunk, the trunk that was always locked, and patted it with her hands. There's my spelling book on the table, Daddy. There's a nice pink clover marking the place. Her father looked at her for a moment before reaching for the book. He liked to look at her. It was one of his few pleasures. A soft, clear red glowed in her dark cheeks, and her eyes were very bright and very black. She was small and of slender build, but she seemed sufficiently healthy. Father, why do I have to speak a different language from Molly's? She had never called her stepmother by any other name since her fastidious father had objected to Ma. What difference does it make anyway if I say I did it or I done it? Here was rebellion. Her small dark father looked at her again, this time not so contentedly. Arise from that trunk, said Mr. Duvall, whose speech retained a slight foreign touch that most people found most pleasing. I think I shall have to show you something that I have been keeping for you. Jeanette hopped up gleefully. She had always wondered what that trunk contained. Now it seemed she was about to find out. From a crack in the wall, Mr. Duvall fished a small key, fitted it to the lock, turned it, and lifted the lid. There was a tray containing a few packages of letters and a small box. Her father opened the little box and drew from it something that had once been white but was now yellow. Something wonderfully fine and exquisite, with a strange, faint perfume about it. A lace handkerchief. Even Jean, who knew nothing of laces, felt that there was something especially fine and beautiful about the filmy thing in her hands. Was it... was it... Your mother's, assented Mr. Duvall. Is it like anything of Molly's? Well, your mother wasn't like Molly. She was fine and exquisite, like this little bit of lace. Now here is something else for you to see. Mr. Duvall placed in his daughter's hand a small oval frame containing a wonderful bit of painting, a woman's beautiful face, the countenance of a very young woman with a tender light in her brown eyes, and such a pretty mouth, and, oh, such dainty garments, so becomingly worn. "'Your mother,' said the little man briefly. "'Why,' gasped Jean, "'she was a lady.' "'Yes,' admitted her father, "'she was a lady.' "'And when she died, you married Molly?' "'When she died, I died, too, I think. "'I was ill, ill. "'I walked through the streets with you in my arms one day, "'here in this strange town when your mother's sickness "'compelled her to leave the steamboat. "'You were two years old. "'In my illness, I fell in the street near the door of Molly's mother's house, "'near the cemetery where they had laid your most beautiful mother.' They took me in and cared for me and for you. 
For weeks I was very, very ill a fever. I did not improve. I wanted to die. But slowly, very slowly, I grew better. Your mother had married against her father's wishes. Her father, I knew, would not receive you, and I would ask no favors. Molly was young then and very good to you. I knew almost nothing about her except that she was giving you a mother's care. For that reason, when Mrs. Shannon said it was the thing to do, I married her. You understand, my Jean. It was not because I cared for her. It was just because I cared for nothing in the world. Perhaps not even very much for you. I seemed to be asleep, numb and weak. It was two years before I realized what I had done for myself. Then it was too late. Of course, I could not take Molly and her mother to the town where I had lived with your mother, so I was obliged to find work here. I tried to be good to Molly. She has always been kind to you. And now do you know why I want your speech to be different from Molly's? Yes, yes, cried Jean. I'll never say I done it again. Or I should have went. Or I ain't got no money. Oh, I wish I'd never said them. Daddy, do you suppose I could grow up to be a lady? Her father looked at the eager young creature. Yes, he said, I believe there's a way, but it's a hard, heartbreaking way for one of us. If you're the one, said Jean, I guess I'll stay just me and not be a lady. Anyhow, a girl has to grow up first, doesn't she? Of course, returned Mr. Duvall, with a sudden brightness in his dark eyes, and something very like a note of relief in his tone. There's still time for you to do a lot of growing. But these things had to be said. Now let us put the treasures away and do our spelling. Our old captain will get here and put an end to our lessons. Will you show me the picture again some day, Daddy? Some day, he promised, opening the spelling book at the pink clover. The next day was bright. The weather was warm, and the little Duvalls, to put it frankly, were very, very dirty. Jean, who had charge of the family while lazy Molly dozed in one of the frowsy bunks, decided to give her charges a bath. There was a beautiful spot for the purpose along the edge of the cinder pond. The bottom at that place was really quite smooth and sandy. A tiny bit of beach had formed along the sloping bank of fine cinders, and never were young trees more useful than those in the two clumps of shrubbery that screened this little patch of sandy beach. The shallow water was pleasantly warm. "'Me first! Me first! screeched Annie, who had wriggled out of her solitary garment and was already wading recklessly in. "'Ladies first always,' said Jeanette. "'Mike, you and Sammy go behind that bush and undress. Then you can paddle about until I'm ready to soap you.' Here, Patsy, keep out of the water until I get your clothes off. There, Annie, you're slippery with soap. Go roll in the pond while I do Patsy. Don't get too far away, Sammy. I want you next. Annie, make a big splash, said that youngster, flopping down suddenly. Annie, jump like hop-toad. Now, Annie, you've hopped enough. You watch Patsy while I do Sammy. Sammy, come back here. "'Michael, bring Sammy back.' "'Goodness, Sammy, how wet you are. "'Don't put your hands on me.' "'Wanst,' remarked Sammy, eyeing the big bar of yellow soap thoughtfully. 
I seen white soap, white and smelly, the time the boat with big sails on it was here. Once I saw, corrected Jean. Old Captain said that was a yacht. I liked that lady with little laughs all over her face. You remember, Michael. She took us aboard and showed us the inside. My, wasn't that grand. She showed us the gold beds and nice dishes and everything. What for did the boat come? asked Sammy. They broke something and had to take it to a blacksmith to be mended. They stayed here most all day. Sammy tried to eat their smelly soap, said Michael. I didn't, denied Sammy. I just licked it like I'd done the cheese that was on the cook's table. He give me the cheese, but I'd rather I had the soap. It tasted better. You sure needed soap, teased Michael. I'd like to be all smiling on my face like that pretty lady, said Jean wistfully. And she hadn't any holes in her clothes. Who got a pretty face, assured Annie, patting it with one plump hand. So have you when it's clean. Why don't you wash it yourself as I do mine? I'm sure you're big enough. Nothing to wipe it on, objected Annie. This was true. The family towel was a filthy affair when there was one. Even if Molly had had money, it is doubtful if she would have spent it for towels. As for washing anything, it was much easier to tuck it into the stove or to drop it into the lake. Molly simply wouldn't wash, and since Mrs. Shannon's hands had become crippled with rheumatism, she couldn't wash. Jeanette, however, washed her own shabby dress. Her father washed and mended his own socks and shirts. Also, he had towels for his own personal use, and those he managed to launder somehow. Time and again he had provided towels and bed linen for his family. But Molly, who grew lazier with every breath she drew, had taken no care of them. One by one they had disappeared. "'I think,' said Jeanette wisely, "'that it would be a very good thing if I knew how to sew. "'Then perhaps Father could get me some cloth, and I could make things.' I'd love to have nice clothes. Grown-up ladies, contributed Michael, wears a lot of white things under their dresses. Twenty at a time, I guess. I seen them on a clothesline. The lady that was hanging them up says, Don't you throw no mud on them underclothes. Any mud, corrected Jean patiently, and saw, not seen. The lady said no mud, insisted Michael. Then maybe she wasn't a truly lady. Sometimes you see a truly lady in a little gold frame, and she never says I'd done it. How could she? demanded practical Michael, to whom Jean had entrusted the cake of soap, in order that he might lather himself while she rinsed Annie's hair. For this process, Annie sat in the cinder pond, whose waters were so placid that even when the lake outside was exceedingly rough, there were no treacherous waves to trouble small children. Both boys could swim. Jean, too, could swim a little, but was too timid to venture into very deep water. There, said Michael, returning the precious cake. Give me the rag, and I'll rub if I got to. Here, Sammy, I'll rub you first. Ah, oh, no, protested Sammy, backing away. Let sister do it. She rubs softer. The bath lasted a good long time, because, the worst of the agony over, the happy youngsters wished to play in the water. It was only with great difficulty that Jean finally coaxed her charges back into their clothes. 
I don't blame you, she mourned, for hating them. I do wish you had some clean ones. Molly was peeling potatoes outside the cabin door when Jean returned home with her spotless family. She was peeling the vegetables wastefully, as usual. Molly could go everlastingly without things. She couldn't economize or take care of what she had. Or at least she didn't. "'Molly,' said Jean, "'I've been thinking that I'd like to sew. "'Could you teach me, do you suppose?' "'Me? I couldn't sew,' laughed Molly good-naturedly, "'her soft, fat body shaking as she laughed. "'I never did sew. Ma always done all that. "'I could tie a bow to pin on a hat, maybe, "'but sew? Lordy, I couldn't cut out a handkerchief.' "'Mrs. Shannon, in spite of the warm sunshine, "'sat inside, huddled over the stove.' Her fingers were drawn out of shape with rheumatism. Her knees and her elbows were stiff. She sat with her back bent. Out of her shriveled, unlovely face, her eyes gleamed balefully. "'Granny,' asked Jeanette, rather doubtfully, "'could you teach me to sew?' "'I could, but I won't,' snapped the old woman. "'Let your father do it. You're his young one. "'If he'd make money like a man ought to, "'you could buy clothes ready-made.' but he ain't no money-maker, and he never will be. Jean backed hastily out of the shack. Even when Mrs. Shannon had pleasant things, which was not very often, she had a rasping, unpleasant voice. Clearly, there was no hope in that quarter. End of chapter 4